Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Proverbs chapter 3. Are you there? If you're there, say yes. Verse 5. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all. Everyone say all. With all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding. Notice that the competition for trusting in the Lord is your own understanding. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart, the first thing that'll get in the way, the first thing that'll try to creep in and say, eh, you don't need to trust in the Lord with all your heart is your own natural understanding. We know the verse, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves living in a contentious area between what I know, what I understand, how I see it, but what does God actually want to do in any given situation, whether it's a miracle you need, whether it's a uh, uh, just a challenge in life. Maybe you're in a season where you just need clarity. You need to know, am I going here? Am I going there? And the, the first thing that the enemy will use to creep up and challenge the voice of God is your own voice, your own voice, your own ideas, your own understanding of the situation. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and the one area where my trust can be compromised in what God says or what God wants to do is how much do I trust in myself? How much do I trust in what I know? How much do I trust in what I've gained? Experience is a funny thing. Because it can be to our advantage, but it can also be, when it comes to following the voice of God, to our disadvantage. It can be the one thing that we prioritize or value over trusting in God and trusting in God's word. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In verse 6, he says, in all your ways. There's that word all again. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. What I believe the the first step is to hearing God's voice. We've been talking now for the last several weeks on hearing God's voice, knowing God's voice, knowing God's will, having this intentional Uh, direction by the Holy Spirit in our lives. But before we can know, we must become aware. Before we can know, we must become aware. There must be an awareness. And he says here, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Just giving God the uh, acknowledgement. Where are you in this situation? What are you doing? In this situation, I started off last week by saying that if we're not careful, we will become aware of the wrong things. A heart that is uh, 
first postured in doubt and unbelief has become aware of the wrong things. You're more aware of what's going wrong than what could go right. We're more aware of what the enemy is doing than what God is doing. It's an awareness issue. It's what do we really see transpiring? What do we really believe in? What do we really, uh, what, what is our level of hope in this situation? And there is an awareness that needs to increase in the church today. An acknowledgement, he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. We love the second half of that verse. We love the, he shall direct your paths. How many of you want your paths directed by God? Absolutely. That doesn't mean you'll enjoy every step. That doesn't mean you'll welcome every step. That doesn't mean you would have anticipated every step. But a heart that acknowledges God is postured in a way that attracts the voice of God. We've been saying this the last several weeks, that a yielded heart attracts the voice of God. I don't believe that there's ever a scenario where God isn't speaking, but I do believe that there are times where he grows silent. Why is that? Why would God grow silent when he says so much about his voice, following the leading of his voice, knowing his voice, knowing his word? Why would there be silence? I believe silence shows up when we have failed to do the last thing we were told. I believe silence is God just simply waiting on us to respond to the last thing he said. If God has ever become silent in your life, go back to the last thing he directed. You can look in the, in the Old Testament in opportunities of silence with God's people, with the Israelites, with the nation of Israel, where it seemed like he wasn't talking. Y'all remember, uh, you know, with uh, Gideon, when Gideon showed up, where God had to go find Gideon, and they were being overcome and overrun by the, the Midianites, their enemies. It was because they were in a cycle of not responding to God's word as they ought to. God didn't need to say anything different. God God couldn't give them the next direction until they followed clearly and obediently and yielded to the last word that he spoke. You think about, uh, you know, in the garden, in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 3. What, what caused, you know, it's interesting to me that even in a perfect environment, that was paradise. There's no sin on the earth. But there's still a God and there's still a devil. Even in paradise. We have this idea that a perfect environment or paradise means that we only have God, but that's not the case. Even in a perfect environment like that, you still, ha- you still had one voice for you and one voice against you. There's always been two voices from the beginning of time. It's the voice that you acknowledge that you obey. It's the voice that you acknowledge and recognize and become aware of. And Eve became aware of the wrong voice. She acknowledged the voice of the serpent over the voice of God. Now, God had already given direction. God didn't need to give any new word. This wasn't a new scenario 
that all of a sudden, uh, God, we don't know what to do down here with this snake. He's talking to us. He's trying to tempt us to eat the fruit. What did they need to do? What would have been the greatest response to overcoming that voice tempting them to eat the fruit? Not eat the fruit. Do the last word they heard. Amen. You know, I, I, I believe, I'm convinced that the enemy has very little power over you and I when we are in obedience. I would say zero power over you and I. You might disagree with that, but live in obedience and adherence to his word, recognizing his voice, becoming aware of his voice and responding to his voice and watch how much that you thought was the enemy was really just us coming out of alignment of the father's direction, just following the last thing he told us to do. You would be surprised. That doesn't mean he's not going to bring the temptation and bring the trial and bring the challenge. I'm not saying he's all, all of a sudden going to be dismissed out of your life and say, well, that's, that's, there's no point in messing with them anymore. He'll still try. But a yielded heart to the Father, a willing heart to obey, a willing heart that says, Father, what you said, I'll keep before me. I'll continue to give it attention. I'll continue to give it my affection. I'll, I'll continue to stay focused on it. You would be amazed at how much the enemy couldn't touch you. I mean, you think about it. God didn't even have to remove the serpent out of the garden for Adam and Eve to live victorious. He could have remained right there. I mean, they had the power to cast them out. They had, right, they were given the uh, dominion to subdue the earth, right? They were given the authority over that environment, over that territory. That's what God said, let them rule over all the earth, over all the creeping things. Last time I checked, the snakes are pretty creepy. Falls under the, they, they qualify. The snake is a candidate for a creepy thing. And he says, you got authority over creeps. Remember that when you go to work tomorrow. I've got authority over creeps. That person creeps me out. I got authority. Yeah. There was nothing that God needed to do about the snake. There's really nothing that Adam and Eve needed to do about the snake other than just adhere to and obey. Had they never eaten the fruit of the tree, they'd still be here today. Had they never eaten the fruit of the tree, we would be walking in alignment with God's original plan and God's original intent. No problem. Until one of us messed it up. No, there's a need to acknowledge him in all your ways. And it says, and he shall direct your paths. The next chapter, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 in verse Uh, Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Verse 21. Keep them in the midst of of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. That's the word of God. Verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence 
for out of it springs the issues of life. I want you to look at this. If you have a Bible uh, that you can write in and uh, underline or whatever, uh, just make note of these words. In verse 20, he says, my son, give attention. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear. That's the next one. Incline your ear. Highlight it, underline it, circle it, whatever you do. Give attention. Incline your ear. Verse 21. Do not let. This is the next one. Do not let. Do not let them depart from your eyes. The next one, keep them. You see in a pattern? Keep them in the midst of your heart. Verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart. Every one of those that I had you highlight, underline, or that I just identified to you, denote personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. What am I doing? We said this last week. What you do with God's word determines what God's word will do for you. What you do with God's word determines what God's word will do for you. When God's word becomes of a high priority, when God's word becomes highly valued, I didn't say highly understood, highly comprehended, highly uh, studied in depth. Those things will come. But we've got to start at the place of honor and value. We've got to start at the place of prior, prioritization, prioritizing the word of God, making place, not just hoping that there's a little sliver or a little window, not just going to it when I'm in need of something, but making a place for the word of God. I'll reread these again. Give attention. Incline your ear. Do not let. Keep them and keep your heart. All of those are our responsibility. All of those are what I do with the word once it's spoken. We started out this whole thing with Matthew chapter 13, talking about having ears to hear but not hearing, having eyes to see but not seeing. But I can tell you right now, if you want those eyes switched on and those ears switched on, make place, give value, give attention. Uh, Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above. That's my response. The setting is my responsibility. The placing is my responsibility. The keeping, the do not letting is my responsibility. I mean, we just sing about it. One word, things change on your authority. One word can change something forever. One word from God. And we've got a lot of words. We have a lot of words. And if you're like me, you may have more than one of these around. You may have a few of these laying around. But what is it doing for you? 
What is it providing you? What is it bringing you? What is it presenting to you? What is it redeeming? What is it healing? What is it restoring? What is it delivering? The word of God has all of those capabilities, all of those capacities. But it's what we do with the word that determines what the word will do for us. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. We're ending the year understanding the value and the power of how we receive the word of God. How we receive the word. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Who's doing the keeping? We are. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. I'm going to read this in a few different versions. In the Amplified, it reads this way. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable, is he. The New Living says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. And the message reads it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. What is this revelation? What is this redemptive revelation, this redemptive plan? What is this word of God that is being revealed to our lives? We've already discovered that if I'm not careful, when I, have my, when I don't have ears to hear, I lose the capacity to even receive revelation. So many believers have limited the capacity of receiving God's word to merely information alone. It's a good story. It's a good uh, principle. You might even get some natural understanding out of it, even theologically speaking, even philosophically speaking. There, there's many people that use uh, many of these proverbs just as good things to live by with no value for the heart of the Father and no value for who God is and no value for adhering to his ways. It just becomes good, good things to live by. Do unto others as you would have done unto you, right? That for some people, there is no redemptive value whatsoever on that. That was instituted by God, the Father. That was not just some good little proverb uh, to, so you can get people to treat you right and so you can learn how to treat other people right. There's a redemptive value in that. 
There was something more that God designed than just information. God never designed you and I to live by information. He designed us to live by revelation. It's only the revelation that can redeem. It's only the revelation that can empower. It's only the revelation that can equip. It's only the revelation. Now, you got to start where you got to start. But the goal is, is to see this word as something that God wants to open up your spirit man to. Not just fill your mind with. A mind that becomes filled with the word of God at the expense of a spirit becomes a Pharisee, becomes religious. It becomes a to-do list, a chore chart. It becomes formality and repetitious and disciplinary, but there's no redemptive value in it whatsoever. It doesn't have the, the, the ability or the capacity to redeem your life and change your life. The truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. So he says that there's a redemptive value that God is trying to open us up to. And where there is no redemptive value, where there is no revelation, he says, my people perish. And that word perish means to cast off restraint. It means just as uh, the one uh, that we just read. Which one was it? The, uh, the NLT says they run wild. Do we see a lot of wild running today? See a lot of going in many different directions. You know, God wants us to be restrained in a good way. God wants us to live within the confines of freedom, not outside the boundaries, not just doing whatever we want. There are confines. There are restrictions. There is a, a guideline to follow, but the guideline offers freedom. The boundary offers the liberty that you're looking for. There is no freedom outside of God's word. You can search for it. You've tried to find it. You have come up short every single time. But living within the boundary, you'll find the blessing. Living within the boundary, God's revelation has a way of opening you up to impossibilities you would never know outside of him. Accessing uh, competencies and accessing abilities and accessing even understandings that you can never gain on your own. There's so many people striving for and running after and yearning for the things of God, but within their own ability alone. Not within his ability. Not, with his, not within his empowerment. We've got to run with God's redemptive vision. Go with me to John chapter 1. It's this revelation that redeems us, and we need an awareness. God is always trying to make us more aware of the supernatural. Yes, God will show you things in the natural, but it's never to leave you in the natural. Jesus used parables, but he didn't use parables so I could get the spiritual to the natural alone. He used parables so I can get the spiritual to the natural so I can get them from the natural back to the spiritual. Where's the mystery? Where's the mystery? The mystery is what I'm seeing is not really what I'm seeing. 
There's something beyond this. There's something deeper than this. There's something underneath just the surface. But he doesn't cast his pearls before swine. You've got to show a value. You've got to show an intentionality. You've got to show a desire that says, I need to know more. I need to dig deeper. We hear that all the time from people. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And some people, some leaders even, some churches even, are okay with leaving you on a surface level, hungering and desiring for more, but never satisfying that. And I will never compromise that. That's a non-negotiable in this church. It's a non-negotiable to leave you at elementary principles alone. We thank God for the elementary principles. Because even though I learned two times two, I still need to know two plus two. Amen. Even though I'm feeding on the meat of the word, I'm still partaking of the milk of the word. Come on. But I'm not designed to stay at the milk of the word. There's a growth. There's an intentionality. There's a development process that's taking place here. And some churches and some places are content. They might even think it's their assignment, but it's not. Because all fivefold functioning uh, operations and gifts uh, given to the body of Christ, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the apostle, and the prophet, all of them are given for the equipping of the saints. Huh? Is, is that what the word says? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Equipping. Not just giving birth and leaving you where you're at. But giving you birth, giving birth and then offering and, and developing and challenging and equipping that grows us up into the image of the Son. So we all come to the unity of the faith, it says. I think we still have a couple more weeks to go before we come to the unity of the faith few more weeks maybe by the end of the year no we know that that's an ever pursuing process that's an ever ongoing of this unity and this coming together and this oneness and this this identification with Christ where we are so distinct and so set apart and that might feel like that's that's more than you can carry more no it, it, it's very much possible when we give the proper value and the proper attention to the things of God. And so no, we won't leave you at a certain place. We'll come right alongside you and we'll help grow you. We'll help develop you. We'll bring you up. We'll, we'll understand we're all at different places. We'll recognize that God is doing a work in our lives at different stages. But at the end of the day, we all have the need, the necessity to reach the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I didn't make that up. That's in Ephesians chapter 4. You can look it up yourself. Amen. No, we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep moving in the things of God. But when word becomes information only, do's and don'ts, practices, adherence of principles and policies, just good stories of that what that took place at one time or or they have good stories that 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 give us something good to live by that's not the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry that's not coming to the fullness the stature of Christ
in John chapter 1, in verse 1, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Notice that, that, that God, God's word has this creative capacity in it. God's word has this element where it is putting into place things that were not there at one time. You see the value that God has for his word. And he has so much value for his word that he wanted to take his word and make it flesh. This is the same chapter where we read later on down the line where it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld its glory. Amen. God values his word. God gives attention to his word. God uh, gives uh, this, this priority to his word, and now he's wanting you and I to understand that value. All things were made through him, the word, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It shines in the darkness. Now, this word comprehend actually means three different things in this passage. It means three different things. It means the one that we all think of, comprehend, to understand. To understand. The darkness did not understand it. But the another thing that it means is it means to seize or to overcome. It means this, that the darkness cannot overcome the light. You ever tried to make it so dark that it would turn the light off? That's impossible. That's impossible. It can never be so dark. You notice it doesn't matter how dark. You can't see the hand in front of your face. But, but the second a light shows up, even the smallest of lights, Come on. It quenches and overcomes the darkness. I can pull out a little match with a little flame on the end in the midst of pure pitch blackness, and I'm going to see that light. It can never get so dark that the light cannot shine. So it means, obviously, the comprehension value, the understanding value. The darkness didn't understand it, but the darkness could not overcome it either. The third thing it means is to quench or to extinguish, that the, the darkness could not extinguish or quench the light. Now, he's not just talking about light and dark. He's not talking about daytime and nighttime. He's talking about knowledge and understanding. He's talking about knowledge and understanding. The darkness didn't comprehend it. The darkness didn't understand it. But here's the thing. The darkness cannot overcome it either. The revelation of God is so valuable, is so important. 
That there is no amount. If you would open your eyes to the revelation knowledge of the word of God. Remember, God designed us to live by revelation, not information. Revelation. And I believe that God is wanting to show us in these days that revelation is a lot easier than we've made it out to be. You know, when you read the Bible, revelation was not a difficult thing for people. And God was not vague. God was not mystical. When God wanted to communicate something, I mean, you look in the Old Testament. They didn't have pastors, evangelists, apostles. They, they didn't have, uh, you know, church every Sunday to go to. They didn't have a pastor that you could email or call up in the middle of the week if you had a question. They, they didn't have, uh, you know, uh, podcasts. They didn't have version Bible app. They didn't have YouTube. They didn't have, but they had the voice of God. They had the voice of God. And when God wanted to communicate, he could communicate directly. When God wanted to communicate, he could get his point across with no misunderstanding. When God wanted to communicate, he could reveal his word, whether through a prophet, whether through another individual, sometimes even through an animal. One time he spoke through a donkey. When God wants to speak to you, when God, if you will yield yourself, you would be amazed at how clearly you can hear God. We are not going to make the revelation, the revelatory voice of God a difficult thing in 2023. I'm telling you that right now. It's going to be easy to hear the voice of God. It's going to be easy to step into the things of God. It's going to be easy to see the word of God come alive off the page. It's alive. It's active. But how do we get there? We have to first recognize it's the revelation knowledge of God's word, not information, not checking the box, not filling the calendar. It's understanding that I need the voice of God to speak into my life in the midst of this situation. The most powerful thing that a king has is his voice. The most powerful thing that a king has at his disposal is his voice because by his voice, he can decree. By his voice, uh, he can put things into place. He just said that there was nothing that was made that was made or nothing that was made that wasn't made without his voice, without him speaking it. Why do we doubt that the voice of God has the capacity to change our very situation? I'll tell you what, you get into a dire situation, you get into a, 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 an area where you don't know where to go, you don't know what, who to turn to, you don't know uh, what, to, what, what, what decision to make, the first thing you should be going after is, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What is the king saying in this moment? What are you declaring? What are you speaking? And then get your mouth in alignment with that. Get your mouth in alignment with what God is saying. Don't continue to say things that are contrary to what God is saying. Refuse, refuse to say things that God is not saying. Refuse it. Catch it immediately as you start to say those words and say, no, I'm not going there. Not going there. 
I'm not saying the temptation won't be there, but you'll pass up many opportunities to contradict God's word with your mouth. And if you can't get your mouth in alignment to actually say what the word of God says, then don't say anything at all. Pastor Earl told our church in in St. Augustine, or at least is going to, that he believes in, in 2023, and this is just setting us up for this. He believes in 2023 that we will have whatever we say, according to Mark 11, chapter 23, chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Speak to this mountain, and it will be removed and be cast into the sea. For whatever you say, believing in your heart and confessing it with your mouth, it shall be done for you. I believe it's time to just believe God at his word. I believe it's high time for the church to take God at his word and say, God, you said you would do this. Now, I believe it'll manifest. I believe it'll come to pass. There needs to no more be this scenario where we have to question the heart and nature of God because he says one thing and we see another. It's time to see the word of God produced, see the word of God becoming alive again, the word of God being made flesh again, and we beholding the glory of the word of God again. Anybody with me? It's time to see his word come alive. But it's got to come through you and I in agreement, partnering with, aligning with his word. It's got to become more natural to obey in faith than respond in doubt. It's got to be more natural. And so we're dealing with this awareness. God showed me this pattern. Because remember the two words that I gave y'all? That's all right, you tried. Uh, the first one was receive. You've got to first receive the word. You've got to receive it. And then the second one was what? Respond. I heard some whispers. They were the under the breath, like, I don't know if I got it completely right. So I'm going to say it just loud enough that he'll give me credit, but not so loud that if I'm wrong, everybody knows that I was wrong. The Lord gave me another word. Before I can receive, before I can respond, I've got to recognize. The darkness cannot overcome the light. So I believe where we fall short is in recognition, awareness. My awareness is directly connected to my responsiveness. The more aware I become, the faster I can respond, the better I can respond. And I'm going to tell you right now, you respond to what you're aware of, whether it's God's word or not. Y'all hear me? You respond to what you're aware of. If you're more aware of Fox News and CNN, you're responding to Fox News and CNN. If you're more aware of the sickness in your body, you're responding to the sickness in your body. If you're more aware that by his stripes I'm healed, then you're responding to by his stripes I'm healed. If you're more aware of the lack and the the, the deficit, then you're going to respond to the lack and the deficit. 
I didn't have this in my notes, but I'll just give you one quick example. Peter walking on the water. When he stepped out of that boat, what was he aware of? Come. The word. When he began to sink, what was he more aware of? And when he saw the winds and the waves beating around him, the storm around him, it was a matter of awareness. His success in walking on the water wasn't that God's word ran out. Obey the last thing you heard. What was the last word you heard? Oh, Jesus, I need another word. No, you don't. You don't need Jesus to reach down. He said, come. So I'm coming out. I'm stepping out. The last thing I heard was come. Why am I sinking? Why am I failing? Why am I faltering? Because I've become more aware of the storm than the word. It's awareness. What are we aware of? What are we in recognition of? John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We've looked at these verses before. But remember, when we look at reminders, they ought to be just as powerful as the initial revelation. He's reminding us us of some things at the close of this year to set us up for some things at the beginning of the year. If you want new revelation, make sure you're adhering to the reminders that he brings you. The Bible tells us that in the last days, there will be those that will have uh, uh, itching ears and they'll look for ministries or ministers that will only tell them what they want to hear. Those kind of people can't tolerate the reminders of God's word. They can't tolerate being reminded, hey, keep with this, step with this, walk with this, do the last thing I told you. They can't talk. They've got to hear a new thing. They're constantly, give me a new word. Give me a new thing. Take me a new direction. God will take us in a new place when we're ready to go in a new place. John chapter 10 verse 1 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Right there, he's letting us know if they're not coming and accessing uh, revelation into your life through the door, who is Jesus? If it's not coming through the word of God, they're not coming to add to your life, they're coming to take from your life. That's not a shepherd, that is a thief and a robber. They're coming for what they can get out of you more than what they can put in you. This is a warning that the church has. This is a warning that we have to keep our eyes centered on the word of God. Not what pastor so-and-so said. Not what someone's post said. Not what some popular quote said. There's a lot of Christian quotes floating around out there that are not attached to the word of God whatsoever. They're not. You cannot biblically find them. I'll go a step further. There are a lot of songs being written by Christian groups 
that have people singing things to melodies that sound really good and pull on your emotions, but they are not attached to the word of God. The enemy is always offering you something good to replace something great. It's not that he's getting us to sing lyrics that deny God and the power of God blatantly that are full of cuss words or whatever else, but we're singing songs that aren't biblical. They're not bringing on us the word of God alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword with the ability to divide between the soul and spirit. And we're accepting it because it's a Christian group. It's on a Christian radio station. Because the enemy knows the power of your words. And if he can get you singing it because it's got a great melody or because it's a top chart or because it's a popular song without even looking at the word and saying, does that align with the, we have had to throw out songs or maybe even sometimes change a couple words so that it does align with the word of God. And I'm not going to sing it just because the most popular Christian group has produced and put it out there. Those are words. It's just as important the songs that we sing as the message I preach. That's not just a precursor, what we're singing up here. It's not just a precursor just to give you time to to get your stuff together so I can preach a message. That is a message. You You just received three messages, and you sang along with it and agreed with it by attaching your so be it to it, your amen to it. So we're, we're careful. We're intentional with that. You know that. Why? Because there are some that want to come up, but they're thieves. They're thieves and they're robbers. They're not coming to add to your life. They're coming to take from your life. He who enters by the door That's the word of God. Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own by name and leads them out. How does he call them? By name. Because they know his what? Voice. You can be led by what you hear even without seeing it. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We're coming into days where you're going to need to know the voice of God. Not just that it looks like God, but you're going to have to be able to identify it as either being of God or not being of God just by how it sounds. And you will need to respond to those inward pricks on the inside. Ah, man, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't jive. You're not looking for that. What's wrong with this? Is that really in the word? It's not that you're looking for it, but your heart is so sensitive to the voice of the Father that you recognize when it's out of alignment. Even if it's off by one decibel, even if it's off by one octave, even if it's off by one tone, you recognize it sounds like God, but it is not God. It's a thief and a robber. How about being that in tune with the Spirit of God? How how about being that sensitive, that close to the heart of the Father, that you recognize, "Mm -mm, that's not God. I won't accept it. I won't believe it. I won't fall for it. 
the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Here it is, for they know his voice. But they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. As we are inclining our ear to the Father and keeping our heart in alignment with the Father and becoming more sensitive and aware and intentional with the voice of God, you will also have to find the things that you flee from. As we endear ourselves to the heart of the Father and the voice of God, there's also a fleeing from, not a casual letting go. I'm talking about a full-on, I will not allow that to have a voice in my life any longer. You recognize which ones are dangerous. You recognize which ones are contrary. You recognize which ones provide no benefit to your life. You recognize which ones are the thieves and the robbers coming to take rather than give. The voice of God will equip you. But it will also prepare you to flee from the voice of strangers. It says this in verse 6. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke. They did not understand. Why? Because they didn't place a priority. That lets you know right there who was the stranger, and who was the shepherd. And I've told you this before, that the stranger and the shepherd are not just automatically the devil and God, the devil and Jesus. The stranger and the shepherd is determined by what you are familiar with, what you have grown sensitive to. Awareness determines responsiveness. And what you become aware of determines who's the stranger and who's the shepherd. And many believers are being shepherded by voices that ought to be strangers. Many believers are being shepherded, we're being led out, and we're following right along with voices that ought to have no investment in our lives. How does this happen? Because we have not kept our heart. We didn't follow the do not let. We didn't follow the keep it near you. We didn't follow the personal responsibility that we have to follow the voice of God. Now, let's look at these last few verses. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm telling you, The things that God wants to bring us into, the things that God wants to reveal, the things that God wants to show you, as we increase our awareness and our sensitivity to his voice, you would be amazed. You'd be amazed at what he wants to show you. He's not done speaking to his people. I said, he's not done speaking to his people. He is still leading and guiding us. He's still directing our every step. He's still ordering our steps. 
The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. He's still wanting you to incline your ear. He's still wanting you to trust in him with all your heart and lean not on your own. He is still wanting to speak. He's still directing. He's still wanting to show and reveal just as he did with Peter in Matthew chapter 16, flesh and blood is not revealed. It is time for the church to see some things that flesh and blood has not revealed, but that the Father in heaven has revealed by his spirit, through his spirit. Y'all say amen to that? In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, Paul writes, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Making mention of you. He says, I do not cease to give thanks, making mention of you in my prayers. This is Paul praying for the church. Paul is praying for you and I. Paul is praying for the saints. Paul is praying for the new believers. And what do you think Paul is praying? What do you think? Do you think he's praying that our churches will grow and fill every seat and we'll have multiple services and we'll buy all kinds of property? Do you think that he's praying that we'll have strong leadership teams? Do you think he's praying uh, that, 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 that we'll just expo- explode and expand? Do you think that he's praying that we'll have signs and miracles and wonders just happening nonstop? What do you think Paul is praying for all these saints ceasingly? He's not stopping. I never cease to make mention of you in my prayers. What are you praying, Paul? I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's praying that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the the working of his mighty power. This is what he's praying for you and I. He's actually saying that the growth will happen when you get revelation. The miracles will happen when you get revelation. The signs and wonders will show up when you get understanding. The clarity in the next step will come when you get the wisdom, supernatural wisdom in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding. What are those eyes? The eyes to see and the ears to hear, to perceive, to welcome, to invite the voice of God into your life. Paul is saying the the, the most paramount thing you need to give priority to is hearing the voice of God and being led by his spirit. The revelation power of the word of God. Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three and verse 14. Paul again writes to this church at Ephesus. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Everyone say comprehend. With all the saints, what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Hallelujah. He is trying to reveal things. He is wanting to show us things. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. I mean, this is Paul's prayer from the very beginning as baby Christians. When I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all this. I mean, I'm talking from the very beginning. This is what I've been praying for wisdom and understanding, for revelation, to be able to see what cannot be seen, to be able to hear what cannot be heard. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do you see this? This is Paul writing to these churches that he has planted and that he has birthed. And now he's writing these letters back to me. He's letting them know, I am writing you to let you know, I am praying that you see what I see, that you are able to hear and receive what I've heard and received. Let me tell you something about very, uh, let me tell you something that's very important about revelation. When you progress in revelation, it is dangerous to draw back from what has been revealed to you. It is dangerous to accept or allow anything that is below the level of revelation you have received. Now, a lot of people may think that that's prideful, that that's arrogant, or you just think you know more. No, revelation is progressive. And if you aren't careful, if you don't continue to progress in the revelation and desire to see all that there is, and you accept or tolerate a lower level, you may cut yourself off from receiving further revelation. That's the ears to hear, but they do not hear. The eyes to see, but they do not understand. There's a crippling that takes place. When you grow to a certain level of revelation, I'll tell you what, you're talking about some of these songs that we sing. When you have grown to a level of revelation that shows you that, man, that's not quite accurate, you can't tolerate another level. You can't tolerate a level that you used to live at thinking that you needed to do this or needed to do that or God wouldn't do this or you had to say if it's your will or when you have discovered the more revelation that God's word has. You have to live at that level and continue to increase from there. Does that make sense? It's very dangerous that we continue to accept low-level thinking. Remember what we talked about, I think it was last week, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. 
So don't accept lower level thinking when he's beginning to show you those higher ways, those better ways, those greater ways, according to the word of God. He's praying for them that their, that their revelation would increase, that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He says in verse 10, then you will, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Better and better. There, there's a song, I can't remember who sings it or, or, or where it came from. It says, you keep on getting better. You keep on getting better. You keep on, he doesn't keep on getting better. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not getting any better, but our revelation is getting better. What I'm seeing, oh man, it just gets better and better. God, you were, you're better today than you were yesterday. Not that he is, but I'm now being opened up to, I'm now seeing who he is. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying that when your eyes get open like this, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. He has rescued us from a kingdom of darkness. What's that darkness? That's that ignorance. That's that not knowing who he is and knowing how he operates and knowing how he works and knowing who I am. I've been redeemed from that kingdom. I can know. Say that. Say, I can know who he is. I can know what I have. I can know who I am. Those are the three things you need to discover and find out. And Paul said, I am praying. See, I can only teach it so much. I can only preach it so much. I can only allow so much spit to fly. And I can only get so dramatic. And I can only get so loud. And I can only move across back and forth so much. At some point, you're going to have to receive it from the Holy Spirit himself. And he can reveal more to you in 30 minutes than I could in an entire day. Man, I've tried. I've tried with some people. You've tried with some people. Explain it to, the, to your blue in the face. Healing, tongues, gifts of the Spirit, the operation of the Spirit, what this word's all about, who you are in Christ, your identity. But some people will not get it until the wisdom and revelation shows up. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. This was Paul's desire for the church. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Worship team, y'all can make your way this way. First Thessalonians 2 verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, there it is, receive which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, 
which also effectively works in you who believe. At the end of the day, it's not what is said, it's how you hear it. At the end of the day, it's not what is heard, but it's what you do with what is heard. Some of us hear the word of God on a situation and we hear it, but we immediately go back to meditating on the, contra- the, the word that contradicts what his word says. It's going to have to be intentional. It's going to have to be intentional. It's going to have to be direct. It's going to have to become something that is more natural to you than the ways of this world. How many of you have ever rolled around, had a hard time, falling asleep, been up all night thinking about something? Anybody in this room ever just couldn't go to sleep? Somebody say every night? Every night? Do we need to come lay hands on you? You've already proven you're a great meditator. You just need to change the content. It's time for the word of God to take first place in our lives. I'm tired of the default doubt, 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 faith, doubt, 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 faith, unbelief, unbelief, faith. I want faith, 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 doubt. Nope. Faith, 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 doubt. No way. Faith, faith, faith. It's time for the default mechanism within us to be believe God at his word. Declare God's word out of your mouth. May that be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. It'll even surprise you. I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just spoke that. That's when it becomes so natural. So intentional. But he's wanting to get us to this place of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I've told y'all this story before. Kenneth E. Hagin, he prayed these prayers for six months straight. Hold on, guys. He prayed these prayers for six months straight, he said. He had already pastored for 12 years. And after six months of praying these prayers, he went back to his wife. He said, what in the world have I been preaching? Because the Lord began to open up things to him. He began to see things. It wasn't that God wasn't showing those things. It wasn't that God wasn't saying those things. It wasn't that he had a, a, a blinders in his Bible or certain pages were ripped out that he, there's no way he could have known. They were there the whole time. We're walking into a place this, this year, this season, guys. You're going to see things that have been there the whole time. It will floor you. It will blow your mind what God wants to do. No more vagueness, no more generalities, no more generic meanings. No more, was that for me or was that for someone else? God wants to speak with intentionality. Come on, he's a God, he knows how to intelligently speak to you. He created you. 
He put his spirit inside of you. He gave us his Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to remind us of things that were said, and to even show us things to come. I don't know about you, but in 2023, I'm believing I'll see some things to come. I'll see some things to come. Doesn't mean I'm a prophet. Doesn't mean I operate in prophetic ministry. It means that I'm given insight to know things ahead of time. Supernatural discernment and ability to see what others gloss over in this. But it's going to be the recognize, receive, respond. We're raising awareness in 2023. God's going to show us things and we're going to follow. We're going to obey. We're going to step out. It'll still be scary. It'll still be, uh, uh, God, is this you? But we're going to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, and we're going to step out. The natural man will have to submit to the spirit man on the inside. I said the natural man will have to submit. Fear will have to bow. Anxiety will have to go. Worry will have to go. No more second guessing. No more. Stepping out and knowing, God, this is you. I follow you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.